the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Let me ask you a question. Are there some things in your life you need to hamstring? Are there some things in your life that you have grown to rely on instead of God? You have learned to have confidence in things instead of God. You have learned to look at certain things or people or possessions as a means of your strength and of your help and of your salvation rather than the Lord. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. David would purposefully keep his army small because he knew he won battles with God, not through men. Pastor Gary teaches today that this is how we should live our lives. We should be fully reliant on Christ, for through Him we are capable of all things. Today you are challenged to examine your life for that which you might place above God. Things like money, relationships, church, or even family can become the core things we rely on. Though none of these things are bad, Christ should sit before them. Put Christ as priority in your life. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 20 for part two of today's message titled, Trusting God. Four hundred years before the monarchy began, God also gave instructions to the kings. Here's some things you need to be aware of. Here's some things you need to understand. Here are some warnings. And one of the warnings that God gave to the kings is in Deuteronomy 17, 16. And he said this, The king must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself. That was a commandment right there in Deuteronomy 17, 16. And David knew this. Now, God gave this command. Why? So that the kings would not think that they had victory for Israel because of their great military force and the size of their army. So God says, I want you to limit the number of horses you have because I don't want you to ever be deceived into thinking that the victories that you get are the result of your mighty army. Instead, the reality is the victories you get are the result of the mighty hand of God. And if you accumulate a bunch of stuff, and if you get this great cavalry going, and you get a bunch of chariots and horses, you're just going to begin to think that you've accomplished this victory yourself. So God intentionally warned the kings, do not 
do not acquire a great number of horses for yourself. Now, let me show you the extent to which David went to make sure that he followed this commandment. If you leave the book of Psalms for just a moment, hang a left, go a little bit to the left, not too many books over, to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 18. I want you to see this scene here where David took so seriously how he had to limit even his military size for fear that he would forget God. There's a scene here in First Chronicles chapter 18. So turn in your Bibles there. And if you have one of the church Bibles, it's page 310. Page 310. And while you're finding your place there in First Chronicles 18, let me just kind of set the stage for you. David is now king. And he is conquering territory to take the land that God had given him. And so he's on various military campaigns here in 1 Chronicles 18. He subdues the Philistines. The Philistines were a seafaring people uh, who lived along the coast of the Mediterranean, um, mostly in what today we call the Gaza Strip. He's going to also defeat the Moabites. The Moabites occupy the territory today that we would call Jordan and Saudi Arabia. And then David moves up towards the Euphrates, which is in Iraq, and he heads up to northern Syria, and he takes this one king whose name is Hadadezer. And so here's the account, 1 Chronicles 18, verse 1. In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and he took Gath and its surrounding villages from the control of the Philistines. David also defeated the Moabites, and they became subject to him and brought tribute. Moreover, David fought Hadadezer king of Zobah, as far as Hamath, when he went to establish his control along the Euphrates River. David captured, notice this, a thousand of his chariots, 7,000 charioteers, and 20,000 foot soldiers. And then the next sentence says, and he hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. Now notice David, in his military campaign here, one of the people that he comes upon is King Hadadezer, king of Zobah. This is the territory of of eastern Syria, off into Iraq. And King Hadadezer had come, notice what David captures from Hadadezer's military force. A thousand chariots, 7,000 charioteers. These are the guys who actually, you know, rode and drove the chariots. And 20,000 foot soldiers. So that's, that's... David's plunder for the day. I mean, you know, he takes them and he takes them uh, by force and, and he, and he uh, uh, assimilates all of this, okay? But now he's got a thousand chariots here. And the Bible says, last sentence of verse, of verse 4, that he hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. What in the world does this mean? All right, so a little drawing of a horse here, okay? So we're going to understand a little anatomy of a horse. Uh, Your hamstring, you know where it is on the back of your thigh, pretty similar to where a hamstring is on on the back of a horse, the rear hind leg of a horse. This shaded red area is basically where the hamstring runs on a horse. David, when he defeats Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he takes a thousand of his chariots, which means he's got a thousand horses pulling those chariots, and David hamstrings 900 of the thousand horses takes only a hundred for himself. In other words, he takes a sword or a knife and he literally cuts the hamstrings of the horses. He hamstrung them. Now, why would he do this? He hamstrung the horses for two reasons. Number one, because he never wants those horses to be used again 
against the Israelites in battle. All right? But there's a second reason he does it. Because he doesn't want to just take all the plunder and the spoils of war and take all these chariots and all these horses and then increase his military strength so that he'd end up deceiving himself into thinking that he's such a great warrior with a great cavalry. What a great soldier. He's able to defeat all these other nations because of the size of his military strength. And so you know what David intentionally hamstrings the horses so he doesn't rely on them, but so we can always remember to rely on God. You know, this would be like in war if if you captured from the enemy a thousand Humvees with some, you know, missile artillery, you know, on the top of the Humvee, and you ended up just taking all the wheels off of 900 of them and only kept 100. Why would you do such a thing? Well, David did it because he wanted to make sure that these would never be used against him again, and he wanted to make sure he never took them to himself and began to rely on them. So he hamstrung the horses. Let me ask you a question. Are there some things in your life you need to hamstring? Are there some things in your life that you have grown to rely on instead of God? You have learned to have confidence in things instead of God. You have learned to look at certain things or people or possessions as a means of your strength and of your help and of your salvation rather than the Lord. In Psalm 33, it tells us this, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So I ask, what horses have we looked to as a vain hope for our situation instead of God? It happens. There are some things and people that we can often, unfortunately, misplace our trust with. And in the book of Psalms, there are actually several examples. I'm just going to share three with you of misplaced trust. Three examples of just, these are three common ways that we can misplace our trust that the book of Psalms highlights. And here are these three. We can have misplaced trust in our wealth in ourselves and in others. In our wealth, in ourselves, and in others. In Psalm 49, 6, it warns about not putting trust in our wealth. Folks, our money is not the solution to our problems. And if you think it is, you're deceiving yourself. If you think, if I just had more money, my situation would be a lot better. Not necessarily, friends. You look at a lot of people who have won the lottery. You look at a lot of people who have been, made a lot of money in the course of life. And as a result, just the world turned upside down in a negative way. It isn't to say, obviously, that people can't be wealthy and can't manage it well. But there are a lot of bad examples out there of when people put their confidence in their money, their possessions, or their resources in thinking that that will solve their problems. And in the end, they just increase their problems. So the Bible warns, don't don't put your trust in money. Money is a good tool, but it should not be your trust. And then we should not put trust in ourselves. You know, we, we esteem people who are fiercely independent. But the problem with being fiercely independent is often that we then have no room for God. And we've learned to be so stinking fiercely independent that we don't know how to be dependent upon God. 
And so we think, I'll fix this, and it'll be all up to me, and I'll manage my life's problems, and I'll take care of this, and I'll just do it myself. Until you begin to realize that you just simply can't do it yourself. You need God. And so Psalm 49, 13 warns us about trusting too much in ourselves. And then in Psalm 146, 3, it warns about not putting our trust in others. Now, you say, well, what is that supposed to mean? Should I not trust people? No, you should trust people. Of course you should trust people. You should always give people the benefit of the doubt. You should believe the best. You should hope the best. You should trust people. But unfortunately, people will sometimes betray us, sometimes lie to us. And if you have all your confidence in a person... You may, in fact, be disappointed in the course of your lifetime, and therefore the Bible warns it's a, there's a difference between trusting people and putting your trust in people. Your trust needs to be in the Lord. Trust people, believe the best, but may your confidence and your hope not be in people. People will fail you. We're all human. Put your faith and your trust in the Lord. Psalm 146, verse 3, by the way, says this, Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. All right, a prince is a government official. Just in case you haven't noticed, we have coming up this week another president who's going to be sworn into office. That is our government official. And I don't care and I don't need to know whether you voted for him or not. But I will tell you this. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. Because it doesn't matter who's in the White House. What matters is who's on the throne of heaven. And God is the one in whom we should put our trust. And always... Now, there are a lot of great verses in the Bible about trust, okay? One of my favorite is Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind, and uh, King James says, is stayed on thee because he trusts in you, Lord. Isaiah 26, 3. You, God, will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you have that as a life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. A lot of great verses in the Bible about putting our trust in the Lord. We know we should. David tells us here in the book of Psalms, I'm going to give you three examples of what David encourages us and how we should trust God, the things that we can rely on God for. Here are the three things. David tells us in Psalm 33 to trust who he is, in Psalm 119 to trust what he says, and in Psalm 13 and 52 to trust how much he loves us. So, first things first, if you have your Bibles, go to Psalm 33. Let's just take a look at a quick verse here about trusting God for who he is. In Psalm 33, verses 20 and 21. Verse 20 says, But we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Verse 21, In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. That's who He is. A name is reflective of who a person is. We trust in His holy name. It's similar to what we read at the beginning in Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name 
of the Lord our God. Okay, I'm going to state something obvious. I'm kind of known for that around our house. My wife calls me Captain Obvious, so I'm going to tell you something obvious. You cannot trust someone you do not know. And the first thing you learn about someone when you get to know them is their name. When you meet someone, what's the first thing you say? Hi, how are you? What's your name? Oh, here's my name. And so a name reflects a lot about a person and can tell you a lot just in their name. Sometimes someone already comes with a reputation based on their name. Because a good name is more desirable than riches, the Bible says. And we need to be careful to guard a good name. To make sure we don't ruin our name with a bad reputation. Well, God's name is unspoiled. It's untarnished. Because he's perfect in all his ways. And his name reflects who he is. Now, the proper name of God in Hebrew is Yahweh. And the most often used title for God in the Bible in Hebrew is Adonai. But the truth is that God is known by more than 900 names and titles throughout the Bible. More than 900 names and titles throughout the Bible. Because what he's trying to do is express himself by virtue of a name or a title to help us understand more about his character and nature. So we can appreciate him and know him and love him. We talked about this more extensively when we were in Psalm chapter 8. Because in Psalm 8 verse 1 it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So as you read the Bible, you study and you become familiar with the different names of God. For example, in the Bible, he reveals himself as Yahweh Shammah. In Hebrew, that means the God who is always present. He's also revealed in the Bible, we might get to this even next week, in Psalm 23, 1, as Yahweh Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd. You see him revealed in the Bible as Yahweh Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer. He is Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. He is Yahweh Shalom, the God who is my peace. And the more you understand his name and the more you see how he is revealed through the pages of the Bible, the more you appreciate him because to know him is to love him and to know and love him is to trust him. And the more you know him, the more you will be able to trust him. David says you can trust who he is because you can trust in his holy name. Then we also see, number two, that we are to trust what he says. If you'll jump over to Psalm 119 in your Bible, Psalm 119 happens to be the longest chapter in the book of Psalms. It's also the longest chapter in the whole book of the Bible. In Psalm 119, the whole Psalm 119 is about the importance and significance and the value of the Word of God, the law of the Lord, the Scriptures. And in Psalm 119, verses 41 to 43... We read this. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. Okay? We learn to trust someone based on who they are and also based on what they say. Now, unfortunately, in human relationships, people will sometimes break their word. They will tell you one thing and do another. People aren't always honest. They aren't always truthful. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, we will transfer that to God. And we will say to ourselves, well, so-and-so, you know, and these people, and that, I can't trust anybody. You know, everybody's, they're liars, and, you know, I've, and I can't trust anybody. They betrayed me. And so, therefore, sometimes then, we unfortunately transfer that to God, and we think, I can't trust God. 
He's probably just like everybody else. He's not like anybody else. He's not like anybody else. The Bible says in Psalm 145, 13, that the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. He is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. There's not a single promise that God has lied about, reneged on, denied. Everything he says comes to pass. So you might ask, because maybe you've gotten burned by other people, can I really trust God? Is what God says in the Bible really reliable? And all I can say to you is this. Personally speaking, God has never failed me. God has always been true. And I challenge you to take him at his word and see if he also will never fail you. God is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. We can trust who he is. We can trust what he says. And finally... David says, we can trust how much he loves us. Go to Psalm 13, back in the beginning of your book, Psalm 13. We're going to look at verse 5. It's easier to trust someone that you know loves you. You know, it's pretty hard to trust somebody you don't know. It's pretty hard to trust somebody who isn't truthful with what they say. And it's equally as hard to trust somebody that you don't think really cares about you. But when you put all this together and you understand that God is faithful, who he is, what he says, and how much he loves you, you can trust him. And in Psalm 13, verse 5, it says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And one more verse I'll read. It's Psalm 52, verse 8. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it before you can find it. He says, But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. And that's how God's love is described often in the book of Psalms, as unfailing. His love is unfailing. David knows and trusts that God is a loving father who will take care of him and see him through the toughest, most confusing times. Do you know God that way? As your loving father who has your best interest at heart, that he is good and reliable and true in all his ways concerning you? And that as a father who loves you, He will always look out for you. He will always be true to you. God's love is not a temporary love. It is not a conditional love. It is an unfailing love that he has for you. Augustine wrote about God's love like this. He said, quote, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah would write, because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When you got up this morning, God had a whole new batch of love and compassion for you. And he has that every morning when you wake up. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new with every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. Psalm 91 verse 2 says this, I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. May we trust God, who he is, what he says, 
and how much he loves us. Amen. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.